Welcome to our backyard. This is the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We are two friends having a discussion after everyone else has passed out or gone to bed. Grab a drink and listen as we discuss everything from automation, space exploration, and why the meaning of life is 42. Welcome back to episode four of Backyard Philosophy. Joined by my good friend and co-host, Nick. I'm Mike. And today we're going to talk about an ancient product making a comeback in the 21st century, hemp. Hemp has been used for thousands of years, originally from the Asian regions, and spread throughout the world. And for a short time, hemp disappeared, wasn't majorly used in the United States, but all of a sudden, in the last decade, it's been making a big comeback. And it might be the solution that the world needs to help fight the environment, create new products, and change up the game. It was first introduced in North America around 1606 and used as paper, rope, clothes, and eventually as lamp fuel. In fact, Abraham Lincoln used it as lamp fuel. Uh, And fun fact, for a short time in Virginia, it was illegal not to grow hemp. You had to grow hemp. And then it all turned around in the 20th century, where hemp was the forefront of a war against lumber and oil. And lumber barons and oil barons wanted hemp out. They thought they saw it as a threat to their business and attacked it. And in 1937, hemp was banned in the United States and eventually classified as a class one drug and was no longer grown in the United States. But that all changed. In the 21st century, hemp made a comeback. In 2014, President Obama signed the Farm Bill, which allows research institutes to start planting hemp as long as the hemp had levels of THC lower than 0.03%. And from there it's grown. More businesses are in hemp, more uses for hemp, more products being produced from hemp. And now we jump in. So Nick, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. You know, I've been hearing about hemp for quite a while, being in the timber industry. We always have people coming and telling us hemp is going to destroy all our markets and take all our business, but I don't quite know if that's the case. But we're going to talk about it today. Um, So the first thing I think it's important to recognize is the difference between hemp and marijuana. Good old Mary J. Yes. So as I mentioned, the THC levels, high THC levels is what gets you quote unquote stoned and high. Hemp has very low and there's a joke going around in the hemp community. You'd have to smoke a joint the size of a telephone pole and you still wouldn't get high. So hemp is just the plant without the chemicals, THC in it. And then marijuana is a similar family with THC in it, from my understanding. Yeah. Uh, the, the important part is that, like Mike said, hemp's not going to get you high unless you try really, really hard and you smoke a whole uh, telephone pole of it. And that's a thing that like we, we'll talk about later, but that 0.3% um, THC in hemp plants... Once a a hemp grower reaches that 0.3% THC in their plant, the government comes in, they're going to burn the whole field. So it's pretty important to stay below that because the government's really worried about marijuana. Even though it seems like these days, tomorrow could be the day it becomes legal for the entire country, but who knows? Yeah, definitely weird times. And uh, please, people, don't try smoking a telephone pole of hemp. That just, that's just, don't do it. Please don't do it. But I was... I was just so curious and hemp from as a kid for me the stem the stereotype growing up was hippies drove Priuses and wore and carried hemp bags 
that was like a running joke on South Park and Family Guy growing up as a kid. But now it's kind of turned in hemp might be able to help the environment, help lower us plastics, help lower costs, help uh, clean up the air. Seems like hemp might have a new future in the 21st century, which according to the numbers, it looks like it has been like in 2017, around $820 million were in hemp sales. That's just amazing amount of money. And it's estimated to be a billion dollar industry by the end of 2021, which is with a short time of hemp coming back, almost a billion dollar industry already. That is absolutely amazing. Yeah. You know, hemp's making a comeback, especially out here in Oregon. You see it all the time, especially once you get in that central Oregon around Bend. It's a little bit more hippier area, I would say. So I, I am a bit curious because you mentioned it. Uh, you said you had people coming over and saying hemp will replace all this, replace the logs and the timber businesses, which I disagree with. It might affect it, but I don't think it'll disappear. And from a personal standpoint of being out there and dealing with that on a firsthand basis, how does uh, how does that come up in a day-to-day business life? How does that make you feel? Well, it doesn't really affect us um, or me personally. Our timber out here really isn't grown for pulp. So pulp turns into paper. Uh, we, we don't produce that much. I did work up in Idaho on a logging crew, and occasionally if the price of pulp was good, some of our logs would go down to Lewiston, Idaho. Beautiful smell down there at the pulp mill and be turned into a paper product. Uh, down south in the southeastern U.S., that's where most of the wood for pulp is grown. A lot of the paper stuff comes out of there. So that's more the market that's willing to change. And down south is also an area that's growing quite a bit of hemp. Kentucky, down in Louisiana, even as far north as Minnesota, people have tried it. I mean, all across the country, they're growing it out here in Oregon too. So it's it, it pref- hemp likes to grow in a mild climate, and they need a rainfall of 25 to 30 inches a year so you know most places are going to get that and hemp just like any other crop if they don't get that rainfall it can be irrigated yeah i was amazed when researching on hemp on how many different places it's grown just not even the united states but throughout the entire world i mean there are lands in canada that are growing hemp and it's there are plantations in south america that are growing hemp it is it is a versatile plant that tends to want to survive which is nice to have in a share crop plant that you want to make a profit off of yeah but back to your original question of how does that affect me and what have i heard about it i'm sure you came across this when you're researching that it takes one acre of trees to grow what four acres of or four acres of hemp to grow one tree let me get it backwards see i heard it the other way around it was one acre of hemp to grow four uh, to be equivalent to four acres of trees for paper okay that's what it is sorry it's got my words mixed around there did you happen to look up that study uh i did not i i just i just saw it and just made a note of it i didn't really look into that study so for those of you i mean pretty much everyone's seen this the thing about researching hemp it's pretty hard to find sources. Half my websites that I found had the word dank in them, and I'm not... Don't get me wrong, I like the enthusiasm. Oh, I'm so happy. I'm so happy you brought that up. I was... Like, the amount of biasy in all the papers that I came across was hemp.com, hemp.org, hempisgood.org. There was no non-biased sites. It was, it was looking for a needle in a haystack. Yeah, Man, it's hard to find them the other way. The only other ones were timber industry ones. And again, my industry, but, you know, I'd rather hear from a third party over uh, either of those two. But 
you can't always get an unbiased source, especially in 2020 of all years. But that uh, 4 to 1 ratio is actually from a study done in 1916, and it compares the age a 1-year-old hemp plantation versus a 1-year-old tree plantation. Now, the thing about trees is, even with modern technology, you're not going to be able to harvest any sort of trees after one year. Yeah, but with hemp, it takes only, what, three to four months to mature to be able to harvest? Yep. And it... So what what's the average length it takes for a tree to mature in order to harvest the tree? Okay, so tree is a very broad term, but I have... Uh, some numbers here for specifically paper production. Again, I don't grow trees for paper production. We grow for lumber out here. Um, but So loblolly pine, they'll produce 0.9 to 2.5 tons an acre per year. But keep in mind, that's kind of a byproduct because loblolly pine, they'll also cut boards out of it. So not that entire tree is going to paper production. Eucalyptus, we experimented with a few eucalyptus trees and these things grow like a weed and which hemp is technically a weed but uh these things these eucalyptus trees they grow them in brazil they have a seven year rotation after seven years these eucalyptus trees are probably like 20 inches wide and 30 feet tall it is crazy but uh, they produce 16 tons an acre per year and hemp produces five tons an acre per year. So it's kind of depends on what you're going for and what you're looking at. Now, this is where I think hemp wins is, like you said, it's a seasonal crop. Hemp's going to be a really good cover crop, another great tool for a farmer to put into their rotation. Hemp has a pretty deep root system that'll help break up that soil, you know, for the longest time, farmers would go and till up their field. Now we're moving more into a low-till, no-till kind of uh, farming where they're not disking up the soil because we found that that creates a hard pan so you don't get as good a drainage. But hemp have a deep tap root, kind of like a carrot. They go deep down and disrupt that soil. So, And they have a short rotation, like we said. So you can plant, you can do some kind of winter, like a winter wheat or something, and then do a some kind of hemp uh, cover crop. That still will make a little bit of money, but the primary benefit is you're getting a cover crop that's protecting your field from other weeds germinating because the hemp grows like, like a weed. It's going to sprout up tall and wide and going to cover pretty much everything in between. See, I'm very happy you brought up the loop to uh, eucalyptus. Uh, before saying I want to say that I think the solution is not just one plant or one just one magical thing will cure it all i think you need to have variety of trees hemp eucalyptus i think that's the best solution because paper tree like trees produce lumber and i believe that's i don't think there's any comparison we've tried genetically engineering trees to within a year be able to harvest to create lumber but the problem is the wood's always soft or bows and it's very hard being used but hemp paper lasts a lot longer but going back to eucalyptus, like you said, which I'm very happy you said, it needs a lot less fertilizer and a lot less water when uh, reading about it in its uh, in its locations. So having all three might be the best solution for long term. Well, I mean, we all went to school. We learned about the three sisters, right? When the pioneers came, they planted beans, corn, and what was the third one? Help me out. Squash. Uh, squash. And what those plants did is... Each of them took 
different nutrients in the soil and each of them put back different nutrients in the soil. So any farmer today is going to do some kind of crop rotation. They're not going to only grow one thing because that one thing is only going to take certain nutrients from the soil and not put those same things back. To do that, you'd have to fertilize, which most farmers will probably apply some kind of fertilizer, but they're also going to plant some kind of cover crop that's going to put the inverse nutrients back in the soil because that's economics and you have a field functioning growing two crops instead of one crop so it, it only makes sense yeah uh, i'm also happy that you brought up that it's sh- it's the shading and will protect the fields so that the so other weeds don't grow it is kind of funny though how hemp is technically an introduced species to the united states as uh Previously, we were talking about in another podcast, uh, Invasive Species, Episode 1 and 2. You should definitely go check that out. But it is interesting how a in- introduced species may be our solution. Do you find a little bit of irony in that? Well, Mike, the great philosopher, the uh, Rolling Stones, once said, you don't always get what you want, but you get what you need. Oh, that's a good... Oh, you you clever bastard. That's, that's a good one. But I think it, it might be what we want and need. There's some downsides, which we'll get to later in the podcast of hemp, but there, to me, there's a lot of a lot of benefits. Like currently, besides CBD oil, which is the most common and most profitable that hemp's being currently used for, it's also being used for clothes, plastic, paper, rope, and biofuel, and not too far different from the colonial days in America, what we're using hemp for. Yeah, and uh, like Mike mentioned previously, most of the founding fathers grew some sort of hemp and it was common practice to grow some form of hemp uh, and it's kind of making a comeback especially with the uh, green culture that's going around the world right now as more of a renewable resource yeah i saw that colorado and like you mentioned kentucky and some of the other uh southern and eastern states are kind of taking the lead in the united states of growing hemp but it seems to be spreading and more laws seem to be going away so that people can grow hemp, which is definitely encouraging to see that governments and states, federal, are giving people a chance to explore this uh, new product and what capabilities it might have. Yeah, and uh, another big win for the hemp industry recently was, I believe, the latter half of 2019, the EPA uh, allowed 10 different pesticides to be used on hemp most of these are insecticides um i haven't seen any actual herbicides yet there i think there's fungicides and insecticides but with a lot of people will brandish that as more of a loss but bringing these insecticides and fungicides in will allow more people to grow hemp in a wider variety of climates it's kind of an unfair regulation similar to the 0.3% THC level that the government's going to come in and take your crop that hemp previously had to be grown without the use of any of that compared to pretty much any crop in the U.S. that they were able to use some sort of insecticide or herbicide or fungicide on whatever was ailing the plant. So now it's bringing it more on the level of any other crop, which brings in the wheelhouse of pretty much any other farmer. And as more and more people are allowed to use it, it's going to find its niche in the American farmer's toolbox to help them grow a more successful plant and to produce more money for themselves as well as take care of their soil. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm happy you brought up pesticides and herbicides because when I was researching hemp, it was uh, 
quite resilient little weed. It only needs 14th the amount of water as cotton, which is, uh, I guess, one of its main competitors, you could say. Trees for paper and cotton for clothes are kind of the two leading plants, and then hemp's trying to find its slice in those things. From what I read, and from this was more third-party studies, it's natural resistance to many pests, requires few pesticides and few herbicides, which is good to hear because I'm always down for less chemicals on the ground than only what's needed, no more than what's needed, which is exciting to hear about. And for those who don't know, uh, both the stalks and the leaves are capable of being used on hemp. Uh, I know some farmers are experimenting because the leaves are high in a nutrient, which I can't remember which. I believe it's phosphorus. I could be mistaken. Uh, there, a lot of them are using the leaves as fertilizer, but it's mainly the stalk that gets turned into the products that we recognize as hemp today. Hemp, and their seeds. The seeds get turned into food, the CBD oil, cooking oil. It uh, So seeds and stems tend to be the main uses and leaves tend to be fertilizer from what i've seen have you seen the same thing well i'd be remiss without saying um have you tried cbd seeing as this is 2020 and for some reason some sad reason i am the more social media zeitgeist conscious one of the two of us which is more of an insult to you mike than anything else um <laughs> yeah I've, I've seen similar things. Um, I've seen a lot of things about how hemp, the whole plant, can be used. Uh, I, I do want to go back a little bit to talking about how hemp uses less herbicides, which is, it does seem to be a pretty herbicide-resistant plant. It can pretty much grow fast and establish itself and not really have to compete with other plants, which is what an invasive plant does, like we talked about. It, it does seem to have some kind of insect problems if uh, most of the herbicides labeled were for insect use. But I'd like to point out, you know, in, in comparison with, with trees, you know, you're growing a tree for seven years, so you only have to apply an herbicide insecticide a few times, usually just once when you plant it. And hemp, if you do need to apply it, it'd be every year. So the rotation of these plants is something to keep in mind. Again, not a diss on hemp, pretty much any agricultural product, you have to apply herbicides once a year in of some way. You're going to have some pest trying to destroy your crop because that's how nature works. Like we talked about in the invasive species, nature's just trying to mess up everything man does. You did make me think of a couple points that I, I wish I thought before coming into this. What pests are they mainly targeting Like what and like what region in the United States is the pesticides being used for? And I know that hemp is kind of a thirsty weed like it does need irrigation does need watering so it does make me wonder are we going to create a problem because of constantly needing to spray these plants that it will leak into our water system etc etc like the ripple effect of hemp because from what i read hemp can grow pretty much everywhere corn can grow as long as you irrigate it and spray it but if it's near water and it's a third and need to do other things to help it survive in non-ideal regions like say Canada where it's a little bit colder than it initially want to grow but is growing it makes me wonder what are the repercussions of spraying every year instead of like you said for trees where it's once every few years yeah well that's the thing that uh it kind of depends 
I think we'll be able to do a whole we sometime we should do a whole another podcast just on pesticides, specifically herbicides. I don't think they're as dangerous as people think they are. I use them sometimes it seems like every day and it's just like any other tool that humans use. You know, use it correctly and you have the perfect solution to your problem. Use it incorrectly and you created a whole bigger problem. Oh, completely agree. It's a dual-edged sword. It's If used correctly, it'll cut for you. If you use it incorrectly, it'll cut you. But it does make me worry because it makes me think back of, like, DEET. Like, yeah, it works, but we didn't know the ramifications until years afterwards. So I'm always, always cautious. I'd prefer at least some studies or at least some checking more beforehand. But it is very promising that, that we are the government is now allowing herbicides and pesticides and fungicides to be used on this. And it definitely seems like the promotion of that plant is growing, which I did not know about or hear about. Yeah. And let me just say, uh, for those of you who don't know, it takes a ton of money for a new pesticide to be created or to be allowed or labeled for use. So the way pesticides work is, uh, if you want one to be labeled for something or be used in a new market, that company that creates it, predominantly, you've all heard of Roundup. It's a terrible example because everyone thinks it causes cancer. We're not even going to get into that right now. However, the company that created that, they paid the government anywhere from 2 to $5 billion for that to be allowed into public use. And then they get the patent on that for seven years. And they don't pay them as a bribe they pay epa workers to do all the tests so they're not bribing anyone what they're doing is they're saying we're going to give you the money to do all the tests we think this works we've done tests on our land these are the runoff results we get these are the toxicity results we get and then the epa will look at it third party they're completely away from the party that paid them you know say dow or dupont or any of the thousands of other chemical companies. And then the people who work for the EPA, the government employees, run all the tests on it. And they do, one of the biggest is the toxicology test. And they figure out how much of this and how likely are you be able to come in contact with will actually hurt you. And it's different for each one. And certain chemicals require different licenses to be able to use, much like anything. It's more similar to owning a gun than anything else. And, uh... After the EPA decides that, then you're allowed to use it in it for a certain amount of time. And as it initially comes out, the cost is very expensive because that company's trying to recoup that cost. But they continue to run tests on it, more longer-term tests. So it can take anywhere from 13 to 20 years for a new herbicide to come out, and billions of dollars is the cost it takes. So they're pretty safe. The government knows a lot about them. But like we mentioned earlier, use it wrong and it can cut you. Use it right and it can save you a ton of money. But yeah, hemp, like we talked about, is a weed, so it grows out other plants. So its main concern is uh, insects, and I'm looking them up now. So um, aphids, which is a huge problem with pretty much any crop that's grown here in the U.S., so that's not something that's particular to hemp. They're just a they're just a pest. I mean, that's why that's how you put the pest in pesticide. You have something that wants to destroy your crop, and you need a way to control it. Before you get too far away, I did not know the in depth it went to approving a pesticide. I knew they were doing testing, but I didn't realize 
how expensive and how much testing it was done. That, that is new information to me, and I'm very happy I learned it. But sorry to interrupt you, but back to pests. Yeah, so uh, we we should do a whole broadcast on pesticides because they're one of my favorite, I think very, not one of my favorite, I mean, fire is my favorite way to control pests, but that's a that's a whole another legal issue we'll get into. Um, but yeah, they're they're a great way, a great tool. I mean, just like anything, it's another tool in the toolbox. But it doesn't seem like most of these pests that hemp has are specific to hemp and more specific to just agriculture. I mean, it's the same way with humans. If you get a bunch of people in the same spot, a virus is going to spread quick. If you spread them out more, it's not going to spread as fast. In agriculture, you're concentrating your plants in a similar area, small area. They can spread tree to tree, plant to plant. That's just the way it works. In a seed orchard, trees are close together and kind of damaged to get the result that we want. So it's important to monitor your pests and ensure that they're at a level that the trees can survive. Same with any other crop. You're going to need to monitor what's going on. If you have a bunch of insects coming to destroy your plants you're gonna to have to do something yes that's and it does make me think one that it's just kind of it's just people start treating it like a normal plant which is they should because it's from what you said the common problems it's having sounds like majority of other crops are having like cotton and corn and trees etc cetera, etc cetera. but for me as an engineer i i love 3d printing uh for those who don't know i've been 3d printing for nearly a decade and they make hemp 3d filament and i'm wondering with the introducing of pesticides how will that change that market because i don't know if they'll be able to remove the chemicals that the filaments will have and that makes me worried because i'm printing i think hemp print prints around the same as pla so around 200 degrees celsius and it's usually a heated bed but 200 degrees Celsius, heating up a filament, if there's any chemical residue. So it's like very exciting that the common farmer can now grow, can grow hemp. It like it, it definitely evens out the market, but it does make me worry about the market that I'm most affected by, which is hemp 3D filament. Uh, hopefully this... Well, let me kind of help some of your worries there. I, I can't speak for other... Uh... The insecticides we don't i don't really personally deal in insecticides as much herbicides is more my market but i think our longest herbicide has like a half-life of some 64 days see this is why i'm happy i brought forester i'll be the engineer you be the plant guy all right i like this i like this so for those of you who don't know what a half-life is that's the time it takes for half of your quantity of material to degrade basically so if you have say a pound of glyphosate which is more than would be applied on three quarters of an acre um it would take you know 64 days and you'd have a half a pound and then another 64 days you'd have a quarter pound and that's divided over that entire acre so we apply glyphosate at anywhere from two to three quarts an acre so that's 96 so say we apply at a higher rate of 96 ounces an acre so most people have a quarter acre lot or something like that so 96 ounces that's three quarters of a gallon so spread all that over your yeah over your land 
and then in 64 days that's going to be in half that's 48 another 64 days and that's 24 ounces I mean, you can barely if that was at the bottom of your water bottle you wouldn't even be full we we think of half lives very differently <laughs> i think of every uh, every time i we live in different worlds every time i think of half life i'm thinking oh yeah what's the half life of bismuth or half life of lead or half life of uh, gold we live in uh very different worlds nick but i'm very i'm very happy i didn't realize it was that little and i also didn't realize it was that short of a period for pesticides i thought it was much longer i figured the pesticides would stay with the plant throughout almost the entire process until it gets to the consumer well um pesticides have come a long way since uh let's just throw out an arbitrary date vietnam <laughs> no uh no orange uh sunsets for you nick no uh we still use 24d which came from uh agent orange is going to be commonly known but it's without the the worst part of that compound and for those of you who are screaming right now 24d basically is an herbicide that kills everything but grass so if you have treated your lawn you've either used roundup or 24d and 24d is an excellent tool for the uh, people using golf uh play what do you play golf courses and places like that because it kills everything but grass and it's a great tool for us to control non-natives because well it kills everything but grass so if you have an area with high invasives you can spray that and your grasses are going to dominate like everything is a place but it's a good tool in the tool shed the more you know didn't know that we we're still using that i know we still use napalm but uh did not know we were still using those chemicals and it's surprising that it's still being kind of used today for lawns and golf courses but Hey, going back a little bit more on topic. Well, wait. First, can we talk about where are we using napalm and can you order it off Amazon? You can just make it. I'll tell you off air how to make it. Asking for a friend. You you probably have all the products in your nope, home. No, nope, Mike, I'm asking for a friend. Okay. Continue. Back to on topic. And I want to tell everyone how to make napalm. I can't do that. But it is that does make me happy because I was worried about how long the pesticides, herbicides, and fungi will last on hemp. Uh, because to me, hemp clothing, yeah, it's cool. Uh, hemp paper, it's kind of a little bit more cool. There's thoughts that, uh, Thomas Jefferson wrote a copy of the Declaration of Independence on hemp paper. Uh, it, but for me, it's more about the plastics, which it can be used for. And the, uh, the supercapacitors, which we'll get into talking a little bit about, uh, that can be used for. As I researched hemp is a good replacement for some materials for me the most common i want to see hemp replace is everyday items like your plastic water bottles your plastic grocery bags uh food wrappers uh hopefully somehow cigarettes because when i was looking up uh research on the number one plastic contaminants in the ocean cigarettes came up a lot so smoking cigarettes aren't great for your health and it's also very bad for the environment when people are just throwing their cigarette buds into the ocean but if we can figure out a way to turn hemp into everyday items i think it would drastically reduce the amount of plastic going into rivers oceans and into the nature itself but there is other hope for uh hemp hemp can be used as biofuel and like i said super capacitors and if you want nick i'd love to start talking about 
uses for hemp that we still are on the edge of and still not quite using but getting close to using if you're telling me i'd never have to uh look at another cigarette butt in the ground you got my attention all right well i'm gonna start talking about that hemp by itself is non-toxic and is biodegradable usually takes about six-ish months with to the biodegrade giving them right uav water and air it actually uh, biodegrades faster when it's buried underground. A problem which we'll talk about is that with the, I think I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast is landfills. Is our current landfill system would not be good for hemp products. But staying on topic for uses, hemp can be made and has been made into plastic bottles. But the problem is again, it's biodegradable quite quickly. It biodegrades. It doesn't last as quite as long as we want it to. A uh, dumb solution I thought about was, well, why don't we mix it? Why don't we have a polymer of some sort where it's hemp and another biodegradable that lasted a little bit longer? Because let's just, uh, I don't know, off the top of my head, let's say wood. Sure, we can. Yeah, you you could probably mix sawduck. I don't I don't know if you can. All right. Sure, I, there might be a process that I don't know about. But say we're making a plastic water bottle. We Hemp would work. It's been done before, but it doesn't last very long. And also, if you put fluid or food in it, it'll increase the rate it biodegrades and will ruin the bottle. But if we... Well, what if we didn't do plastic? What if we did... Like out here, there's a... I forget what it is. I don't buy bottled water. But it's bottled water that it's packaged more like a milk crate and it's all the packaging is all saying like 100% renewable and so I think the cap is made out of like a plastic hemp and then the rest is some kind of wood product it looks like a milk carton basically well yeah that, that is a possibility I personally tend to use metal water bottles and reusable uh, water bottles I don't really buy or use plastic water bottles but I'm trying to think bigger scale because people don't like change so if we just change all the water bottles to look differently, I don't know if people would go for that. If we try to make them the same and say, hey, they're 100% recyclable and nothing's changed, I think they would go for it. I did not know about the carton bot water bottles, which I'm all for recycling and all ho- hopefully those catch on more and come visit me down in Texas and hopefully that spreads more. But even running. Well, out here in uh, Oregon, we may be a lot of things, but people here are willing to pay more for a greener product or at least they're willing to pay more to make it look like they support greener products well that's fantastic news but unfortunately the rest of the country doesn't tend to be the same it we you got to think of the john does and janes and jane does that just don't care well i was i was more trying to insult oregonians than anything but uh yeah, no, we, um, like I was saying, I think, I, I, I haven't looked into it. I don't know exactly how viable it is to do something like that, but I think uh, think that's a pretty good idea, even if I, the company doesn't share ideas I agree on. They just want to make it somewhat more renewable, and I, you know, like we're talking about the hemp fiber, I think it's probably a good roll for it if it could move into some kind of it, it just looks like a milk carton but it's about the size of a nalgene and it's just water i forget exactly the company but it says something like that but like i was saying not trying to insult the rest of the country more oregonians <laughs> saying that they, 
they're willing to pay more for a product that supports the environment, but they're willing to pay even more for a product that doesn't support the environment, but makes it look like they support the environment. Looks can be deceiving, I guess. It's it's all about your status. But uh, from for me, the most plastic I saw in ocean, because I'm big on where I run all the time is I'm running through a forest preserve and I see plastic just floating in the river just get on the banks and you want to clean it up and then you just get overwhelmed and you just can't clean up any more of it so if we I think if we turned hemp into the most common everyday items like I said like food wrappers uh food container uh, like one use food containers one use water bottles I think that'd be the best solution because even if even if majority of the people recycle and you got a couple people who don't those couple people won't ruin it for the majority which is what I'm hoping hemp can do. But going back to the pollution is ridiculous on how much pollution there is in the ocean. And I think hemp can have a huge, huge solution on that. Like there are currently over 300 million tons of plastic made every year. And only 9% of that gets recycled. If we could increase that or at least have it where it's biodegradable and doesn't have to be recycled... I think that'd be a huge, huge promotion. Yeah, I think anytime you get uh, Americans to have to do less, you're you're on a good idea there. I think that's our best best bet to uh, reduce the amount of recycling. Oh yeah, and uh, to me, uh, going back to three D printing because I absolutely adore and love three D printing. People have been experimenting with a thing called hempcrete. I don't know if you came across this, but they're trying to make uh, hemp concrete. Yeah, I came across that, and it looks pretty interesting i mean the more material just like anything like we talked about the more tools and toolboxes but if that's something that we can build and it's cheaper and it is as insulating as they say it seems like it's a pretty good idea yeah i i'm hoping they do a combination of 3d printing houses with hempcrete as more and more houses are being produced and made by 3d printers i'm hoping having a hempcrete cement maker will help produce hempcrete houses though i do want to throw some asterisks with hempcrete um the drying time for hempcrete is much longer than traditional cement i think it's like seven times longer or something like that and it's also not nearly as strong in fact hemp as a material i think only competes with its clothes with cotton and when it came to other materials like i came across a uh, uh hemp being compared and uses for glass fiber it's comparable and usable as glass fiber, but traditional products tend to beat hemp out, which is interesting to think about. And going back to maybe hemp is only part of the solution. We need to mix it with other materials. Yeah. Now, the, the way I see it is that hemp is supported by two parties. You have farmers who they just want to be able to put some kind of cover crop that's going to put nutrients back in the soil and it's going to help their next year. It uh People talk about hemp being a huge industry, like you mentioned previously, but I've been listening to a lot of farmers talking about it, and uh, it doesn't seem like it's a huge financial crop. It seems the gains are mostly in the soil. The other party are people who want to legalize marijuana, and I'm not bashing them, but uh, it seems like they're co-opting hemp as a way to get marijuana legalized as a stepping stone. You know, one domino leads to another. Like, I think hemp... I don't think it's the wonder plant everyone thinks it is, but I don't think we should deny the American farmer another tool in the toolbox to help them grow better plants, take care of their soil more, 
and reduce the amount of herbicides that are used, which is the way we're heading is more technology leads to less herbicides, more applied herbicide. Everything becomes more efficient. I mean, that's just the way progress works, right? Yeah, but I want to throw in another hat into that ring. I think there's another side, and I think it's the construction slash science side. Because when, because uh, I know when researching this, a lot of car companies are starting to use uh, hemp again. And I know uh, way back in the day, Henry Ford actually used hemp in some of his uh, models of cars. But going back to hemp, like for engineering standpoints, it's a very light material and it's pretty resistant to a lot of things. Like going back to uh, glass fiber, like hemp has a specific modulus around 35 gigapascals. uh, And then glass fiber has 28 gigapascals, which means pretty much it's stronger and it's lighter than glass fiber is currently used. And glass fibers are using all sorts of appliances like they're used in your car they're using your home so if you can make it cheaper and be, think about pennies on the pound of transporting materials and you can make it still even a little bit stronger so you have less chances of breakage i think i think hemp is also entering the science world and has a lot of possibilities that so i think it's a three a three race uh three pony race in that in that field because uh but doing research like Popular Mechanics came out with a, it might have been Popular Science, I'm not quite sure, uh, came out with way back, like the 1920s, a magazine article that says there are over 25,000 different products that can be made with hemp. So that's, to me, incredible and definitely something to look into as a science and engineering base. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's the thing about today is that Every single product we create has thousands of uses. I mean, think about a cow. You know, you got your, obviously it's going to mostly use for meat, but you got leather. It goes into all these different industries and products. So I don't know exactly how, what that compares to other things. So, but yeah, hemp's, you know, it, it is lighter and it has a place. It's going to be used for different things. I think, uh, like I said, I don't know if it's going to save everything, but I do think it's, the, the hempcrete, it seems like it's going to be a really good insulation material. Maybe not, maybe in combination with other, like, like boards or something, but more useful as insulation to provide extra weight bearing. It seems like it, it has a place there. It doesn't have to be, do the whole show by itself, but if you combine it with something else. Oh, completely agree. Completely agree. I, uh, from what I was looking at, even going back to hempcrete, like it is nowhere near as strong as normal concrete. So it definitely should not be load bearing structure but like you said insulation and i don't think i completely agree with your statement of it's not a miracle plant it's sure it can help it's definitely a part of a solution but it's it's not the one all be all uh another interesting point which uh going back to coverage of fields for farmers is i don't know if you came across this but hemp can also be used as water and soil purification well i did see i don't know if this is exactly what you're talking about is that hemp like a lot of weeds, hemp will colonize on disturbed ground, and it'll suck up a lot of uh, heavy metals that are in the soil. Is that what you're talking about? Yes, that's that's exactly what I'm talking about. See, see, I mean, that's very interesting to me because another flower, which a lot some people consider a weed, uh, the it's either the dandelion or the sunflower plant. I can't remember which soaks up heavy metals and radiation. So I'm wondering, since hemp is so powerful of growing in such a short period 
I'm wondering if we could splice hemp and sunflower seeds, uh, sun, sunflower plants together to help soak up nuclear radiation in, like, say, a hot zone like Chernobyl. Just uh, food for thought. Yeah, and that's uh, one of the things I've ran across. So they're talking about that. They're talking about if you use hemp for to soak up those heavy metals out in the soil, do you still want to use it for other projects? I think it could probably be pretty safe to be used as insulation or something, but I don't know if it's necessarily a fiber you want to wear on your skin. Well, I don't know. When researching the process and how they process hemp, it seems like the more tool, because right now I notice there's a lack of innovation and tools and technology in the hemp field, because granted it's kind of a revived new field again, but it's pretty much a similar process that was done way back in the day of kneading or reading. I can't quite remember the word where it's pretty much soaked, dried, hit a lot, broken down, mulched, and then then turned into something. It doesn't seem like the process changed very much or any technology is doing that. So maybe, maybe we don't use that for clothes, but maybe we could figure out how to make it a little bit safer. So say we like a non-daily use item like rope, like say it could be used for not like a ship, like a nautical rope. That, that might be a solution for the heavy metal one. But I, I agree with you. What you're saying is it may be not the safest to use a heavy metal plant that's soaked up a bunch of heavy metals from the ground. But, I mean, it's not a bad idea. You never know. I mean, it might not come out. Well, the thing that we didn't talk about is people talk about how hemp, every part of the plant can be used, which is true. But every part of the buffalo can be used every part of the tree. That doesn't necessarily mean everyone's going to pay for it. What I came across is that while some people might grow hemp for seed, some people might grow it for CBD, and some people might grow it for fiber, very rarely do people grow it for all three. Or very rarely do people grow it for two. Very r- more rare than that, grow it for all three. Because you're going to have to focus on different things for each of those different products. So... I mean, just like a tree, we can grow a tree so that everyone can use every part of it. And this is a debate we have with Europe all the time. In the U.S., a lot of the parts of the tree that we don't use, the branches and the the leaves, we usually burn them to reduce our fire hazard. And in Europe, they recycle them and they use those trees to run power plants or whatever, all those products. But it doesn't pay. We have such a huge country, it doesn't pay to truck those parts to the power plant to burn them to produce steam energy in europe they're subsidized if you have to pay for it it's not really paying for itself some would argue it's less green than even though the idea is sound you're burning more resources than it takes to produce those resources to get it so hemp most growers really grow for the oils just commonly you know the you've have you tried cbd if you rub this on your joint pain kind of thing or fiber which like we talked about goes into pulp one of the things that's a plus for hemp pulp is that it doesn't require the same chemicals that paper pulp requires to turn it white for use and hemp tends to last longer than paper pulp but you need to use more energy inputs to get the output you want. So it's just uh, people need to decide what they want. Do they want to spend more in the beginning to get a better output, or would they rather spend less to get a different output? That's not a decision we're going to make today, but it's something to think about. I think both. I think depending on, like say, um, so say you're doing a school assignment. You don't want to use good paper and like long-lasting paper to 
have that but say you wanna you want to write a letter to your grandma you might want to use hemp paper for that so that i think you need a market for both but it's definitely a dilemma of which route to go but i i can't stress more i think it's a mixture of everything it's not just one solution oh yeah i completely agree it's a mixture and that's the thing is that we need to stop looking at say hemp costs this much energy to grow and cotton costs this much energy to grow we need to look at the whole supply chain and deciding what's green or not we need to say hemp costs less to grow but it takes more energy to put it into paper cotton costs less energy to grow or costs more energy to grow but costs less energy to put into paper so it's not entirely about how much energy it takes to grow it and how many resources it takes to grow it if on the back end it's going to cost more one way or the other these products they're not even done in the field and seems like all we care about as humans is the ag side of it of how much these farmers are putting into it when there's so much more that's done to all these products on the other side yeah completely agree how much money do you want to spend to make technology make it easier and more efficient and cheaper but that's that's a generational thing that's not going to happen overnight and it's you got like you said look at the whole shebang because yeah it might cost 50 cents more to grow cotton but in the long run it takes say 24 more hours to process hemp which means you're paying a bunch of employees 24 more hours electricity 24 more hours every inch matters which is uh but i am i am happy you brought up europe a little bit because to me when researching hemp i noticed that a lot of hemp was being imported mainly from china and uh southeast asia but it seems like if we're already bringing in hemp i don't see why we shouldn't just grow it ourselves what's your opinion on our importation of hemp and versus us growing it oh i have very strong opinions about this um i don't think the u.s should be importing most products we import a lot of wood products at the cost of other countries forests the thing about the united states is we're a lot more educated than most other countries we care a lot more for our environment than most other countries we can have products grown in the u.s that exceed our environmental standards for how we care for the ground and they're going to be cheaper because they're grown here even though we spend more money paying for more people to take care of the more paperwork that it usually produces to produce in the u.s but it's better for the for the ground and you just look at it from a ground perspective not a national economy national whatever perspective the soul here in the u.s is taken care of and we have a saying in our industry, you take care of the ground, the ground takes care of you. So importing hemp from Europe, not a big deal, I imagine. They probably have similar values to us. But it's the third world countries that we're importing hemp from and forest products that they don't share those same values of take care of the ground, the ground takes care of you. Their values are, you know, they're more worried about providing for their families, which I'm not saying they shouldn't be. I'm just saying if we grow it here, much like any other product, we have control of it. We know what it goes through. We can regulate it. We can see it. And at the end of the day, who are you going to trust? Another American who could be your neighbor or someone who you've never met who lives 
an ocean away from you. In case you didn't realize, Nick, that was definitely a bait question. <laughs> Sometimes I get fired up about these oh, issues. I, I nearly interrupted you when you're talking about policies in third world countries about manufacturing because that is a topic I am very passionate about because from an engineering standpoint, what they're doing is not only harmful for the environment, but harmful for humans. And I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. All I'm going to say is there's a guy I went to school with who's from Brazil. We have problems out here out West where maybe your forest burns down or some, some kind of pest or someone does something, but have you ever had the problem where you go out to your trees and someone's cut them all down without your knowledge, even though you own them? That's an issue we don't deal with out here. Very happy we don't have that issue down here. And it probably wouldn't work very well in Texas or Oregon. I imagine I imagine that'd be uh that'd be some shotgun noises going off in the distance very quickly. I'd be surprised if you heard anything. Anyway. <laughs> Alright, getting getting back on topic. I uh I kind of want to switch over and talk about some of the problems with hemp, besides the ones we've already uh, talk, discussed. All right. I do want to say first, though, that I think uh, the U.S. needs to get rid of its 0.3% THC limit. I think we need to bring it up closer to what other nations are doing, especially, you know, at the end of the day, it's the farmers who are going this. They're trying something new. They're trying to improve their fields. Most of these farmers about half of them they're just normal guys and then the other half yeah they're trying to grow weed but it doesn't work out for them it's that they don't have the experience in dealing in land but a lot of these farmers are just trying something new i mean it's hard to be a farmer in 2020 in any year it's never been easy to be a farmer especially now during covid it's a whole nother thing these guys are trying anything to stay afloat so I think the less government regulation that's in their way, the better. Obviously, there's going to be a distinction between growing hemp and marijuana, but just throwing that in there. Oh, completely agree. I, In fact, I've seen, I think, some countries had it up to as high as 20%. Yeah, and I've I've uh, listened to a few podcasts. And the uh, Millennial Farmer has a good podcast, Millennial Farmer, and then another one, Fieldworks. They interviewed a guy who grew hemp and... They're talking about how you can test. So you have to test your hemp before you harvest it. It has to be under that percentage. But sometimes you'll get a retest and it'll come back under what it is. You know, the testing isn't 100% accurate. And if you don't pass that first test, sometimes the county is going to come and they're just going to burn your whole field. Can you imagine your entire, like, say, five months of work, you basically took that field and designated it for this crop and you expected this output from the inputs you put in and uh it's gone so that's all your money's gone like there's no i don't think crop insurance is going to cover hemp because it's such a new commodity i'm not entirely sure on that but i wouldn't be surprised see actually i do kind of know what that is like i not to that scale so i wasn't sure i was going to tell the story but uh my grandmother uh, lives in a different state than I, and uh, one of her friends, her and her husband, were farmers, lifelong farmers, and they retired and stuff like that, but they got kind of bored. They missed farming, so they wanted to get into the hemp field, so uh, me being a little bit tech-savvy, I was helping them figure out what they need, what resources they need, et cetera, et cetera, and they were doing a small batch, 
like they were trying to figure out which which uh, nutrients and fertilizers were best to grow the hemp, et cetera, et cetera. They only had maybe 20, 25 plants, and they sent a sample in to test it. One of them came back positive. They didn't do a retest. They came over, and they just destroyed all the plants just because they were testing and trying to figure out what was best. And I think that's just... I think that's just a law getting in its own way of helping people because they're just they're literally an old couple from farmland trying a new thing after they retired to help grow and do something and just have something to do and they they lost probably close to two thousand dollars worth of their time effort and equipment it's it's just frustrating yeah that's a classic government but also mike what a surprise. Someone in Illinois trying to break the tax code. Was in Illinois? No. Oh, well, it seems like an Illinois story. No, 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 no. But back back a little bit more uh, to the problems of hemp itself, not the problems surrounding hemp. To me, it's just how weak it gets and how fast it gets weak. We've talked about mixing it with other materials, but when, like, say, interacting with uh, dirt, like, being, like I said, bearing, being buried underneath the ground quickly... Uh, decomposes hemp our system isn't made to process hemp right now or recycle hemp like our landfills right now as i mentioned earlier which i want to talk about more are compact most things are squished down and piled on top of each other hemp will have a very very hard time decomposing in that situation they need exposed air or water they need room or uv light to decompose and our current landfills will not allow that so if you had the perfect hemp 100 percent pure hemp plastic water bottle and you crushed it with the rest of it uh rest of trash and threw it in the landfill it probably would not decompose not granted it would definitely decompose a lot more than uh petrol-based plastics because those take anywhere from 500 to 1,000 years to start decomposing. But what we want hemp for would not be in effect. So if we went all on board for having biodegradable products, we're going to have to change a lot about our current system of how we even process our trash. We're probably not going to need to either, either A, we're not going to have to compact our trash anymore, or we're going to have to have separate landfills for biodegradable versus non-biodegradable, which sounds both good and bad sounds like we could create more jobs bad because it also sounds like more work i or everyone starts uh, composting right i mean i'm down for that but again you got to make it easy for the masses if it's hard work most people won't do it most people most people won't take that extra step to take a water bottle hold on for for like a couple hours and either compost it or recycle it or hell some people will be standing next to a trash can we've all seen them uh, and they don't throw away the trash when they're standing right next to a trash can, which is very, very frustrating. Yeah, this seems more like a deeper problem with uh, people than it is with hemp. But yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you know, <laughs> I only looked at really the inputs. I was more concerned with growing. I think that's a area I'm more comfortable with. And once it's grown, it gets shipped off to the mill. I don't really know what happens. But yeah, so I didn't really look too much into that. But it makes sense. I mean... Sunlight, moisture are the two biggest factors in decomposition. Well, well, if you like, we can go back to back a little bit to the farming because I know a little bit of the process of the mill. Because um, when researching this, I realized in 2019, most processing plants for hemp were 
being overloaded. They had more hemp than they had machinery or equipment to process the machinery. Because it does take time to process this at the mill. Because you have a drying period, you have a soaking period, and then a breakage period before you're able to do things with the actual hemp. Um, I know one company I was looking at, they got their drying process and breaking process down to two or three hours which to me was very impressive because they had specialized furnaces to dry it out and spe made specialized equipment to break it up. S to me as an engineer looking at it, still wasn't efficient, always room for improvement, but the technology is growing. So right now from the farmland to the mill, the farmland's overproducing and the mill can't keep up, which to me hopefully, and hopefully sounds like the same to you, Nick, it sounds like there's going to be more businesses opening up to to process that. But going back to Colorado, which we mentioned earlier, which is kind of leading the way, a lot of companies uh, filed for bankruptcy. I don't know if they were CBD oil companies or cloth companies. I'm not quite sure what the demograph is for what hemp is being grown for in the United States. I imagine it's all mostly for CBD oil, especially with all the commercials and advertisements we see everywhere but what's your opinion on the farmland overproducing more than the mills can keep up well what you're seeing is uh you're seeing the markets establish what they're going to pay for and that's what you're seeing here in oregon with i mean marijuana close cousin to hemp for those of you who don't know uh, marijuana is legal in oregon and people are growing it everywhere it is, it's a cash crop, or that's what everyone thought. Right now, there's so much weed in Oregon. If they stopped growing next year and no one grew any more weed, we'd still have enough weed to last another five years. Now, Jesus, that much? Yeah, I don't grow weed. And the crazy thing is, no big companies have gotten involved yet. I was talking to our uh, lady who works for my company who does all of our genetics and all of our stuff along those lines for our trees and she was she was talking some shit on the marijuana business saying right now they're growing pot plants for about three bucks a plant and she said if she wanted to she could get into it and grow plants at 50 cents a plant now that's just because she well one she's a genius two she has a background in growing plants and industry is always going to do it better i mean you have more if you have larger land base larger resources to pool you can do it more efficiently than right now it's still very grassroots mom and pop guy down the street doing it talk about undercutting the market jesus yeah so but right now i mean i wish i wish i could tell you more I, again i don't smoke weed but driving back and forth there's a, a ton of uh, dispensaries out here and they have the price of uh feel like an idiot i don't i don't smoke weed but I, it's something like uh well, like an eighth or whatever a gram and the price since i moved here just dropped and dropped and dropped and it's about like five bucks a gram or something i'm assuming that's really cheap because when i first moved here it was like 18 dollars, and uh it, it hasn't gone up or down and i think that's the lowest the market can go i know we have some neighbors who have pot plants and uh, pot farms, and they've all kind of just given it to someone else because it doesn't make any money. And what we saw there was 
everyone saw that, that there was an opening in the market and everyone rushed to fill it. And it turned out the market wasn't as big as everyone thought. Talked to another guy who, uh, he works for the feds and he is in charge of investigating. He was on the drug task force for Oregon, but when they legalized marijuana, they lost a lot of work or so they thought. Now they spend most of their time investigating farmers who, air quotes, lose their crop. Those farmers tend to be located along the eastern border of Oregon, pretty close to Idaho, where marijuana is not legal. Well, you know, you just misplace acres of acres of crops. It happens to everyone, Nick. Come on. It does happen to anyone. So if it happens to someone you know, you know, just be careful. Because it could happen to you next. I, I wanted to poke fun at you, Nick, for not knowing what a gram was. But for those listening at home, we, uh, we're we weird people. I, I, I hate to say it, Nick, but we were both kind of uh, outliers in this, in this world a little bit. Uh, I am not social media adept or tech savvy, as Nick mentioned in the beginning of the podcast. And uh, I think I speak for both of us where we'd much rather be outside or reading a book or working on our houses than uh, than uh, scrolling through our phone. We, uh... Or smoking the devil's lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, I... I would pay about a hundred dollar a hundred dollar ticket to see you stoned out of your mind. I would be very curious what that is. But well, going back, job won't allow it, so <laughs> we'll have to wait. Oh, Jesus, Mary and Joseph, uh, till this whole podcast takes off and I can support myself, or <laughs> all right, or uh, you... my fiance starts making enough money where I don't have to work. We're waiting on one of those two things. <laughs> Let's go with the podcast thing. You can be Joe Rogan. I'll be Elon Musk. Uh, all right, now back to a more serious topic. I want to also kind of talk about supercapacitors. I like batteries. I like electric. I did a lot of my research with magnetic energy, so I like batteries. I like renewable energy, et cetera, et cetera. But a great thing about hemp is the pulp can be turned into pretty much a carbon material, almost like uh, carbon nanotubes, which is really, really a wonderful material but they're kind of using them a lot, at least I saw for experimental. They're using them a lot for uh, supercapacitors, which are kind of important. They're very important, especially for electric cars, which are becoming more and more common. So your electric vehicle might be run with a supercapacitor that's made from hemp, which is mind-boggling to me to think about of a renewable source being made by a renewable source to run a renewable source. Now, I'm not... uh... Like you said, technology is your field. I just grow trees, but if some if hemp led the way to a better battery, that would very quickly go from cover crop to cash crop in a heartbeat. Yes. Um, just so everyone's kind of clear, uh, turning cellulose into carbon material, like like especially carbon fiber or uh, carbon nanotubes, is a very complicated and hard process. We're still. That's why. We've been talking about carbon nanotubes for nearly two decades and it still really hasn't hit the market that powerful, at least like in the ways we want it, like saline solutions or et cetera, et cetera. It's a complicated process of uh, growing carbon nanotrees. I don't know the process with hemp. Since it's high in cellulose, I imagine it's the same as cotton, hopefully, which we has scientists, not me personally, other scientists have had experience with, which is important. 
And I do want to make the distinction. This is for supercapacitors, not batteries. For those not knowing the distant difference, uh, capacitors are really great at dumping all their energy all at once, and batteries are like a slow trickle. So, so basically, when I'm with the lady, I'm a capacitor. No, I think capacitors last a little longer than you, Nick. Wow, shots fired. <laughs> uh, but it, it is interesting. I don't know if it can be used for energy storage. Definitely can be used for supercapacitors, which is important, especially if you want some pickup speed because it's all about supercapacitors all about getting as much energy as you can to some device as fast as you can, which is definitely very interesting. Very relatable. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yes. But another pr problem for me that is, again, the technology just seems a little bit far away. And especially if people aren't going all in on it, it's, it seems like it's not going to happen. I think I think a big stepping stone is a like you mentioned, the legalization, the herbicides, letting the average farmer have higher THC levels. I think that's a is the most important out of all of them is most important. To me, the second most important is the technology that follows. If we can make the technology that makes it cheaper to produce, cheaper to manufacture, cheaper to process, I think a lot will fall in suit after that. Yeah, and. Like, again, I want to reiterate, if you want hemp legalized, great. But please stop using the word dank in your website or your review or just at all, really. Like, don't don't use the word dank if you want to be taken seriously. But, uh, yeah, hemp should be legalized for farmers to grow. And you can't have the growth of products from hemp until you have an available market of hemp and as long as the government's making it hard to grow hemp you're not going to get the outcomes that you want so the first step in any of this is going to be making it so anyone any legal person can grow it again hemp different plant than marijuana guys as very clearly evidence we don't smoke weed but different plant there's no reason it should be illegal and this is more the so reason we need sunset laws and some of these laws we pass because a few years go by and we figure out wow what idiot wrote this and now we're stuck 1914 over a hundred years later dealing with the consequences of something so we got to figure that shit out first yeah i mean hell the main reason why 1937 it was abolished was because it was associated with as Nick, you clearly like to say the devil's lettuce, and it was a threat to other businesses, so they removed it. But I think you hit the nail on the uh, head. We're saying it's just a, such a stigma around hemp. Just there a big difference between hemp and weed. Hemp is a crop that is used to build things. Weed is a recreational drug and medicine. They're similar, but two different lanes. And I think that is a big bottleneck for uh, hemp altogether. Yeah. And, you know, like I said earlier, biased. I'm in the timber industry. But I think most people say in the timber industry, let the market sort it out. You know, I can't, I don't see hemp replacing vast acres of trees. Trees provide habitat as well as products. They're stronger material they're not primarily grown for paper for the most part i don't think it's a huge issue i'd rather let the market sort it out than uh 
than some silly law. I mean, it doesn't seem fair to people who want to grow hemp that the government's trying to muscle in on their territory. Completely agree. If I if I had to make an educated guess, to, if I was going to guess where the market was going, I would say hemp would mo- majorly affect the, the paper industry the most, but I think it would take over more cotton fields than it would take over uh, forests. I think hemp would enter the paper market and i wouldn't even come close to touching the uh, tree market like you said most trees are for uh lumber but i can't see hemp taking more than 50 percent of the market and i'm talking long term i think it's i think it's going to be realistically in the next 20-ish years maybe 25 to 40 percent of the market but i still think it's going to be a mixture of everything not just one overruling them all yeah well and like we talked about hemp currently to turn hemp into paper we don't have the infrastructure in most places right now so that's something you have to bring in so that's a cost so someone's going to have to invest in right now and paying for that cost assuming hemp is going to overtake trees which again they're not going to do until they legalize it it's too much of a risk i think right now to grow but i could be wrong you know no one's going to know what their acres are going to produce like that landowner but hemp is processed differently than trees so what we currently have in place to turn pulp into paper paper um not just paper but all other kinds of paper products like paper towels and toilet paper which we've been in shortage of apparently it's a whole nother system using different chemicals and it's going to require a lot of power and that's something that's going to have to be built so once that's built, I could see maybe more of a challenge to the entrenched timber industry, you could call it. But I don't see too much of an issue right now. And I don't think it's going to be the miracle cure that everyone who, again, please stop using the word dank to describe your movement, thinks it is. And also, please stop naming your websites like Hemp is Awesome org and then try to show a scientific article it, it come at it a little biased but nick i really wish you saw my face when you mentioned toilet paper because in my mind i went to what would hemp toilet paper feel like and it wasn't the great the, the minds no i don't think i want to feel that i don't know how i i don't think i've ever felt hemp material i don't know if it's soft or stuff like that but hemp toilet paper sounds painful i don't know why it could be just my imagination, but uh, I definitely won't be the first person to try it. Well, so here's what I found out because I was curious because like I mentioned earlier, for since I got into the timber industry, I've been hearing, I actually made a meme about it, about, oh, hemp's going to replace timber one day. Like I've heard this a thousand times. So I googled, what is the comparison between cotton and wood and hemp clothing and from what i looked up this is a few sources as non-biased as i could again like i mentioned previously a lot of sources say that hemp is the end-all be-all and hemp will never replace anything or hemp will replace everything and nothing's ever going to dislodge it but from what i found a few sources hemp is beaten out by cotton because it's more likely to fray when using clothing and it's not as comfortable it's a little bit coarser now, 
I'm a big fan of coarser materials. I like a good coarse towel. Uh, you know, ask a, ask the the wife, but I'm not a big fan of soft clothing. But from what I found, this and the uh, South Park, which I will MLA cite, it says that coarse or hemp is a coarser material than cotton overall. It's going to be a tougher material on your skin. Blah, yada 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 and for those all listening who are curious about our sources our sources will be posted underneath the video on youtube for each episode uh you can check us out at backyard philosophy on youtube and on every major podcast network but i'm with you nick i i i don't again i see hemp being more replacement for plastic and maybe rope but clothing oh and paper uh but clothing not not so much I, uh, I'm happy you brought up how coarse and easy, easy for it because hemp per strength wise is quite stiff and quite strong, but if it frays, I mean, you, you can't have a shirt that frays and loses its structure, then it's kind of a worthless shirt. Yeah. And like I said, it's still early in the hemp game. We don't know where hemp's going. It's just coming to the U S the U S what some people would call the, uh, I mean, it's where innovation happens in the world for the most part. It's been in other countries for a while, but sometimes it takes a little bit of uh, cowboy engineering to figure out where it's ultimately going to lie. And we're currently still experimenting with it. It's a new crop. It's really exciting. We don't know. We're experimenting with the spacing, the different materials and nitrogen. We don't know how much fertilizer to apply, what's really going to make it grow, how much water at what applied at what time. I mean... It's exciting to know to grow new things. Like I grow Doug fir. We've been growing Doug fir for a while. When you start growing something new, oh man, you got to figure out what's uh, just the spacing itself is just interesting. I mean, if you grow too far apart, you're gonna allow weeds to come in and suck up plant available water. If you grow it too close together, they're gonna compete with each other too much and not grow as well. It's just growing something new is exciting, no matter who you are. So we're not trying to dissuade anyone from growing anything. We're just providing our outlook. And if you want to grow hemp, go ahead. No one's going to stop you. This is America. <laughs> Except the government, because this is also America. Ugh. I'm always down for a new adventure, new challenge. I think most people are. And I think, I, I mean, you know it far better than I do, the pleasures of growing a new species especially on a larger scale like i've only done backyard gardening so it's it's got it's gotta be fun it's gotta it it's like i imagine a chef trying a new recipe in the kitchen trying to figure out too much salt too little salt i imagine it's the same comparison almost yeah and i'm sure that's why a lot of people are doing it people you wouldn't traditionally see as hemp growers because they want the challenge i mean there's nothing more american than seeking out a challenge absolutely well, I, I think to recap this all, you kind of did it all of this is not the end-all, be-all plant, not the miracle plant, but it has promise. And with American ingenuity and the world ingenuity, we can perhaps find solutions and a better way of life for everyone using biodegradable products, hemp products, simply better farming methods, less, a little bit less loss, allow the common person go, and we can create wonderful things such as paper clothes super capacitors plastics hemp may not be the future but it's definitely going to be part of it
Thanks for listening to the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We rarely finish a podcast without missing a point we wanted to bring up, so let us know what we forgot. And if you have a topic you want us to talk about, let us know at Backyard Philosophy on Instagram and Backyard Philosophy Podcast on Facebook.